But the larger picture is much more about what's happening in Qatar and what a backdrop this is for the arguably the world's largest sporting event. Michelle Kaufman, who writes for the Miami Herald and used to many, many years ago write for us here mm-hmm. in Detroit for the Free Press and is fantastic at what she does and has covered many, many World Cups uh, around the world, is on the line with us right now to talk about this one. Hi, Michelle. Hey, how are you? First of all, drop the arguably largest sporting event in the world. There is no other sporting event like the World Cup, so drop the arguably right away. I was going to say Super Bowl, but I suppose <laughs> No, 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 no. We're talking about 5 billion, with a B, is the estimated TV audience for this Qatar World Cup. Wow. 5 billion. Mm. More which, than half of the world population. Which is in stark contrast to the seven people who actually can buy tickets in Qatar <laughs> because they basically have eliminated anyone who wants to drink beer, women, anybody who might be gay, anybody who might have friends who are gay, anybody who might wear a particular kind of T-shirt, or anybody who doesn't want to give up their phone and, and take on an app. So tell us about the backdrop here, Michelle, of Qatar as the host of the World Cup. First of all, for our, our listeners who don't know, how did they get it? Well, they got it because FIFA's corrupt. I mean, that that's a whole other one-hour uh, phone conversation. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, I mean, I'm just writing my column now, and, and my column is how great the World Cup is, but no, it should not be in Qatar. Um, right. But anyway, the World Cup should not be in Qatar. I mean, the World Cup should be in a place that, first of all, has a soccer pedigree, a place that loves soccer, a place that has stadiums, a place that has an infrastructure, a place where fans can party and have fun, because I've covered six World Cups, and I can tell you there is no bigger party in the world than a World Cup. There is a lot of alcohol consumed at World Cups. There is a lot of partying, dancing, scantily clad people walking around, uh, you know, and I'm going from Brazilian women in bikini tops to Scottish guy fans who lift up their kilts and there and there's nothing under there, which I never realized until I covered a World Cup. So um, <laughs> well, when you cover was, a World Cup, you really cover a World Cup. <laughs> I really do. I hung out at some train stations at two and three in the morning, and that's where you see the real World Cup. So anyway, wow. but there's a lot of singing. There's a lot of you know, raucous, rowdy fun that goes on. And so Qatar, you know, the culture there just is not, it doesn't, it's not befitting of a World Cup. It's really not. And then the human rights issues, you know, which have been now discussed for 12 years, they got this 12 years ago. The idea was that Qatar said, you know, they they wanted to modernize their image around the world. They wanted people to see that Qatar is just like Dubai, that this is a great place to go vacation and whatever. But what we're really seeing is, and and they they claimed at that time that they were going to make some concessions, that there wouldn't be alcohol inside the stadiums, but there would be able to be alcohol in the perimeter around the stadiums. And so, for example, Budweiser pays $75 million to be a sponsor of the World Cup. And they were just told 48 hours ago, there was an about face, 48 hours before the opening game, the Qatari government decided, um, you know what, on second thought, we don't want any alcohol in the perimeter of the stadiums. Only Bud Zero is allowed, however. You can only drink Bud Zero, which, you know, regular Bud is not that great, but Bud Zero <laughs> is really. But anyway. So wait, uh, do, they only- get their, do they get their $75 million back? 
Well, no, because they are allowing beer in. You know, in the end, I think there may be some kind of negotiation because what they're what what Budweiser is getting is not what they were promised. They are allowed to sell beer in a fan zone area, but it's nowhere by the stadium. It's not anywhere by the stadium. It's not in the perimeter of the stadium, and they definitely can't sell inside the right. stadium. So now, tell me, tell me about this uh, uh, armband controversy. That yeah, yeah. So the armband, you know, so. Um, homosexuality is illegal there. Uh, you know, people can be arrested for it. And so a lot of the teams from Europe and the United States, a lot of the teams said that they will go to the World Cup. They were not going to boycott the World Cup. They wanted to play in it. But they were going to make statements about unity and statements about gay rights and all these things. And so um, seven European countries had announced that their captains were going to wear rainbow armbands. Uh, for the games, they were going to wear rainbow armbands and just as a show of solidarity. And um, then this morning, well, then they were told that FIFA, FIFA informed them that if they do that, they were going to get yellow carded. Those players would get an automatic yellow card when they stepped on the field wearing a rainbow armband. So this morning it went back and forth. Are they going to do it? Are they going to defy FIFA? Are they going to get a yellow card to make their statement, the answer is no. You know, they want to win, so they don't want to put their players in a position where they're starting the game with a yellow card, and then if they get a second yellow card, they get thrown out of the game and they're left with ten men. So so this morning, the seven countries announced that, you know, that they back down and that they're not going to wear the armbands in the game. Uh, the U.S. team, what they're doing is their whole their training facility and all of their where they have their press conferences and everything, they are decked out in rainbow stuff. There's rainbow things everywhere. I just saw something that um, I'm forgetting which country. No, Belgium. The Belgium team has the word love, but it's supposed to be it's love meaning love for all people, love for gay people, love for everybody. They have a, a little a tag on their on their collar that says love. And apparently reports came out today that they have been asked to remove that label from their collar. So, you know, this all, is all, the, all of this because what Qatar paid how much money? Like how, how much more did they oh, two, throw well, at them? Well, to put it on, it's two hundred and twenty eight billion dollars that they're spending. Wow. Two hundred and twenty eight billion. Two hundred and twenty eight billion. And just by for comparison's sake, Russia before this, another wonderful choice by FIFA four years ago, the, the past two have been Russia and Qatar. So, but four years ago, Russia got it, and they spent what was then a record, $10.8 billion. $10.8 billion was a record four years ago. Qatar is spending $228 billion for this World Cup because that country – it's it's smaller than Connecticut. It's smaller than Connecticut. Um, it has no soccer background whatsoever. So they had to build all the eight stadiums from scratch. Yeah, it was, it's was also slave really labor, hot right? there. Oh, By the way, it's very hot there, if you haven't heard. Yeah. And it's in the desert. So they moved it for the first time in tournament history. They moved it from summer to winter, which meant that all of the soccer leagues around the world, except MLS, which plays an opposite season, but all the other leagues around the world are now disrupted in the middle of the season for the World Cup. Wow. And, uh, and then, yes, they brought in slave labor from, from a lot of countries wow. to build these stadiums because they had to build eight stadiums. 
And, you know, there have been a lot of charges from human rights groups and Amnesty International and all that, that that the, the workers were not only mistreated and had no rights and were not paid or correctly or whatever, but that also that many of them died in the process of oh. building these stadiums. And, and so what am I hearing that, that they had to hire some foreigners, some Indians or whatever, to fill up the stands in certain games? Yeah, you know, they were going to have empty stands because, you know, again, it's not a soccer-loving nation. If you watched the Qatar game the other day, I mean, I looked. I saw no women. There were women from the Ecuador. In the Ecuador fan section, there were a lot of women wearing yellow jerseys. But when they showed the Qatar fans, at least the ones they showed on TV, and I looked carefully, I stopped the screen and everything and looked around row by row. There were no women. There were no women in those stands. So um, it's not a place where everybody goes crazy for soccer. And so there were going to be empty seats, which is going to look very embarrassing for a company, for, I mean, for a com- country that spent $228 billion to put this event on as a big, you know, tourism uh, promotion. So, um, so yeah, they apparently were bringing in fans and they were supposed to pay them to come to these games and they were housing them in some tent cities. They have like tent, uh, tent villages and trailer villages set up in the desert for, for some of these people to stay. I mean, it's really, it's the worst, you know, I mean, I'm not there, so it's hard for me to... You know, if I was there, I could really report very accurately on this. I'm reporting by what I'm hearing from all of my colleagues who are there, um, that it's it's nothing like any of the World Cups in the past. Yeah. Nothing how, like the how World are Cups they, in uh, Europe, how South are they, America. How are they treating the press? Like, uh, and, and I heard that you have to, like, give a, uh, give a, your phone has to be put on some kind of app that they basically can control it. Yeah, they're they're very much controlling the media, uh, what the messages are going out. They're watching the social media that's going out. Uh, Grant Wall, who's a longtime American soccer journalist who was at Sports Illustrated for a long time, used to actually work at the Miami Herald, too. Um, he went over there, and, and, well, he tried to walk into the stadium today wearing a, a T-shirt. It was a black T-shirt that had a soccer ball on it, but around the soccer ball were rainbow colors. And he was detained. He was detained for about half an hour by security guards. They said that he was not allowed to wear that shirt into the stadium. And then he started taking pictures of himself being detained or whatever, and they took the telephone away. They didn't want to give him the telephone back. You know, it required, ended up some FIFA media officials came in and finally, you know, got him out, and he was able to go in, and he did not remove his shirt. But they told him that he had to remove his shirt. They wanted to confiscate his phone. Uh, and they told him that it was for his safety that they were doing that because if he wore rainbow colors that some of the fans in the, in the stands might beat him up. So they were doing it for his own safety. <laughs> all right. On top of all this, they will be playing soccer. They did play soccer. The U.S. Yes. tied Wales today, which, as I said earlier in the show, Wales has 12 people in the country. <laughs> I don't know how it is that we can't even we can't even score two goals on on a team that has 12 people. Uh, but is the American team expected to do anything, especially after after this tie? Well, this American team, you know, I'm talking in this column that I'm writing about how the fans in America have gotten so much more sophisticated. And we're actually in the party now, you know, for a long time, even when I first started covering World Cups. It was the Americans still didn't get it. There was still a lot of the narrative of, oh, soccer's boring. 
And, so, you know, the World Cup is something from around the world. We're not part of it. It's a party we're not invited to. We don't understand it. We don't get it. It's really not like that anymore. There are watch parties all over the United States. This morning, people on the West Coast were waking up at 5 a.m. to watch England, you know, play Iran. And this afternoon at 2 o'clock, I, I know a lot of people that were playing hooky, pretending to be working, but really watching the game with the sound turned down on the side. So the American fans have really caught on. They, they have brackets now. They have watch parties and all that. And then the team, I will tell you, this team, after not making it four years ago, which was really humil humiliating because they had made six World Cups and it was kind of expected already four years ago that, you know, America at least makes the World Cup. They may not get out of the group, but they make the World Cup. You know, we're in CONCACAF. We're not in the toughest region, you know, other than Mexico. In Canada, there wasn't really anybody very good to beat. But the U.S. last time didn't even get in to the World Cup, which was very humiliating and embarrassing. Now, this team today that you saw today that tied Wales, um, 10 of the 11 starters on this team play in Europe. They're based in Europe, and that's never happened before. That's the most for a U.S. team. 10 of the 11 starters play for European teams, and I'll, I'll just – Read real quick the teams that the, that the 10 players play for. Arsenal, AC Milan, two guys from Fulham, Leeds, Juventus, Valencia, Chelsea, Norwich City, and Lille in France. So we're talking about, you know, Arsenal, Chelsea, Juventus, Valencia. So these good. are AC yeah. Milan. These are big-time clubs. So these kids, and I call them kids, it's the second youngest team in this World Cup. Of the 32 teams, the United States has the second youngest behind Ghana. And um, there, a lot of them are based in Europe and playing for some of the biggest teams in Europe. So they are expected to do something. You know, they are expected to be better than the teams in the past because even though they weren't in the last World Cup and there's only one player on this whole team of 26 players who's been in a World Cup, 25 of these guys, this is their first World Cup. And that may, that may prove to be their downfall. Right. But they do play in big games. They played in Champions League. They play in Europe. And so, yes, it's a talented team with a lot of young, talented, hungry guys who have been sort of touted as the golden generation of American soccer so far. And, uh, yeah, they are expected to do something. And that is why when they were beating Wales for 82 minutes, in the 82nd minute they were still ahead and were looking at getting three points and being tied with England, which looks incredibly good. Um, instead, they end up settling for a tie, which is really disappointing. And now on Friday, the United States has to play England, which beat Iran today 6-2 and looks really, really, really good. So uh, they made life more difficult for themselves. A little bit, of, a little bit like be. a Lions Thanksgiving game, basically. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. <laughs> Michelle, we got to run. Thank you so much for all your yes, information. Absolutely. Really appreciate it. Good yes, talking yes. To you. Great to talk to you, Mitch. Okay. Michelle Kaufman joining us from Miami Herald. So you hear the whole story there. That's mm. a lot of wow. information. Yeah. Take in. But it does not sound like fun, does it? No. no. Not at all. No, no.